Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome back to another episode of the uh, Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 121 of the Informed Catholic, episode 121. So uh, I'm going to do the readings for Monday, but we're, I'm going to continue to ask questions. Um, you know, it's sort of like just pretty much... Um, meditate a little bit on the problems that we're going through, which is why um, young Catholics um, are leaving the faith. So um, let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. O oh God, come to my assistance. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. I'm going to recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, Terror of Demons, pray for us. Saint Peter and Saint Paul, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil and pray for us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Let's do this first reading. Acts chapter 14, verse 5 to 18. There was an attempt in Iconium by the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders to attack and stone Paul and Barnabas. They realized it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Listeria and Derby, and to the surrounding countryside where they continued to proclaim the good news. At Listeria, there was a crippled man, lame from birth, who had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, who looked intently at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed and called out in a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. He jumped up and began to walk about. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they cried out in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in human form. They called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, uh, for he, together with the people, intended to offer sacrifice. The apostles, Paul and Barnabas, tore their garments when they heard this, and rushed into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We are of the same nature as you, human beings. We proclaim to you good news that you should return from these idols to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. In past generations he allowed all Gentiles to go their own ways. Yet in bestowing his goodness he did not leave himself without witness for he gave you rain from heaven 
and fruitful seasons and filled you with nourishment and gladness for your for your hearts even with these words they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them the word of the lord thanks be to god psalm 115 not to us lord but to your name give the glory alleluia not to us o lord not to us but to your name give glory because of your mercy because of your truth why should the pagans say where is their god not to us lord but to your name give glory alleluia our god is in heaven whatever he wills he does their their idols are silver and gold the handiwork of men not to us lord but to your name give give the glory alleluia may you be blessed by the lord who made heaven and earth heaven is the is the heaven of the lord but the earth he has given to the children of men not to us lord but to your name give the glory alleluia 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 the holy spirit will teach you everything and remind you of all i told you alleluia alleluia reading from the holy gospel according to saint john chapter 14 21 to 26 the advocate whom the father will send will teach you everything jesus said to his disciples whoever has my commandment and observe them is the one who loves me whoever loves me will be loved by my father and i will love him and reveal myself to him judas not the iscariot said to him master then what happened that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world jesus answered and said to him whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him whoever does not love me does not keep my words yet the word you hear is not mine but that of the father who sent me i have told you this while i'm while i'm with you the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you everything and remind you of all that i told you the gospel of the lord praise to you lord jesus christ amen well, from the first reading, we can see Paul and Barnabas were not exactly having an easy time with the um, the Gentiles, right? I mean, first you um, they go to Iconium, and then they got uh, both Jews and Gentiles conspiring to get rid of them, and then they go to the to the countryside, to the other cities, and um, well, the people automatically think them to be gods and uh, wanted to offer sacrifices even after a miracle so it was a little bit of a challenge you can see there that uh, it didn't exactly work the way they planned but uh interestingly though they um you know it takes time obviously to learn about the culture and the people these were obviously very remote uh, uh greek uh cities with um very uh, strong uh, attachment to the pagan gods. But they didn't compromise, did they? 
They didn't compromise. They didn't try to uh, re reframe the gospel, remold it, uh, edit it, compromise it. That's the important thing. And um, we can see that here. So that's that's the important thing we have to understand. I mean, they didn't think so back then. But for some reason, even, you know, like now, um, like our church leaders, they seem to... They seem to have this tendency now to, in a culture um, that's more politically charged, that's more, um, that actually now seems to be the biggest thing is offense, offending, offending people. Paul and Barnabas didn't, didn't compromise the gospel. They didn't compromise the, the gospel even for from its Jewish roots. They didn't compromise the gospel with the Romans or the Greeks. They didn't try to. And they were successful, but yet today it seems to be a problem. It seems to be a serious problem in trying to get the message out. So I want to read something. Um, we're going to look into exactly a little bit into that uh, uh, light of the nations. I, I believe this is the text. Hold on. The first part here is called the mystery of the church. It's from the Vatican II documents. Christ is the light of humanity. And it is accordingly the heartfelt desire of this sacred council being gathered together in the Holy Spirit that by proclaiming his gospel to every creature, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it may bring to all men that light, that light of Christ, which shines out visibly from the church, since the church in Christ is in the nature of sacrament, a sign and instrument that is of communion with God and of unity among all men. She here proposes for the benefit of the faithful and of the whole world to set forth as clearly as possible and in the tradition laid down by the earlier councils, her own nature and universal mission. The condition of the modern world lends greater urgency to this duty of the church. For while men of the present day are drawn ever more closely together by social, technical, and cultural bounds, it still remains for them to achieve full unity in Christ. Well, that sounds, that sounds like it, it, they, they, they got that right. The eternal father, in accordance with the utterly um, necessary, gratuitous, uh, and mysterious design. I may have gotten that word wrong. I apologize. Mysterious design of his wisdom and goodness created the whole universe and chose to raise up men to share in his divine life. And when they had fallen in Adam, he did not abandon them but at all times held out 
to them the means of salvation, bestowed in consideration of Christ, the Redeemer, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. All the elect before time began, the Father foreknew and also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he should be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He determined to call together in a holy church those who should believe in Christ, already present in figure at the beginning of the world. This church was prepared in marvelous fashion in the history of the people of Israel, in all, in the alliance of established the last age of the world, and in may, and made manifest in, uh, in the outpouring of the Spirit. It will be brought to glorious completion at the end of time. At that moment, as the Father puts put it, all the just from the time of Adam, from Abel, the just one to the last of the elect, will be gathered together with the Father in the universal church. Okay. It sounds clear there. It sounds clear in this document. So here's my question. What's the problem with these clerics? What's the problem with these cardinals? What's the problem with all of them? It seems to me that the document from Vatican II is quite clear. The mission of the church to preach the gospel, to unite all nations under Christ. It doesn't make any compromises here. So what's the problem? Why is these documents constantly misbeing mis interpreted? If the, it is true, I mean, Ralph Martin makes it quite clear. He knows the documents. All right. I mean, Bishop Barron has to know this. Right? James Martin has to realize what the documents say. It's quite clear. The universal church, the, the you know, from Adam to Abel. Okay, let's continue. The Son, accordingly, came, sent by the Father, who before the foundation of the world chose us and predestined us in him for adoptive sonship, for it is in him that it pleased the Father to restore all things. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 5 and 10, to carry out the will of the Father, Christ inaugurated the kingdom of heaven on earth and revealed to us his mystery by his obedience. He brought about our redemption, the church that is the kingdom of Christ, already present in mystery, grows visibly through the power of God in the world. The origin and growth of the church are symbolized by the blood and water which flowed from the open side of the crucified Jesus, John chapter 19, verse 34, and are foretold in the words of the Lord, referring to his death on the cross. And if I, and I, if I, and I, if I be lifted up upon from the earth, will draw all men to myself. John chapter 12, verse 32 
as they gave you here, the uh, it says here the GK, which means obviously the Greek. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Literal Greek, as uh, I guess as we're saying here, as often as the sacrifice of the cross by which Christ our Paschal Lamb is sacrificed, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, is celebrated on the altar, the work of our redemption is carried out. Likewise, in the sacrament of the Eucharistic bread, the unity of believers who from one body in Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, is both expressed and brought about. All men are called to this union with Christ, who is the light of the world, from whom we go forth, through whom we believe, and towards whom our whole life is directed. I don't think these these the, these guys are being taught correctly. I don't. I think what the Vatican II text is being is saying. It sounds exclusive. It's may, it's not compromising Jesus. It's not compromising the gospel. But from what I'm hearing, when I hear from these guys from the pulpit, do you ever hear them ever quoting Vatican II documents? Really? I mean, they'll quote it maybe off the uh, off the cuff of their head. They'll they'll quote it. But I've never ever heard any pastor, any priest, any monsignor, any bishop, any cardinal quote these texts as directed. They never do. I mean, I've heard maybe on YouTube, like say Ralph Martin, uh, Dr. Scott Hahn. I know Dale Taylor Marshall has some hostility towards Vatican II documents, but the Vatican II documents are not as bad. I know Timothy Gordon doesn't feel the same way about them as Taylor Marshall does, because I know Taylor Marshall just, I think, is 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 very angry because of the fact of what you know, of, of the the resentment that they they have, the some of these clerics have towards the the traditional mass. And I don't think, I don't think this, I don't see any hostility here towards it. I don't see any hostility towards the, the, the traditional mass from this document here so far. I know I haven't read all of them, but I do believe that, that this is very good. This is actually not a problem here. All right, let's continue. So, um, okay, so let's, let's read, let's backtrack a little bit here. Likewise, in the sacrament of the Eucharistic bread and the unity of believers who from one body in Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, is both expressed and brought about. All men are called to this union with Christ, who is the light of the world, from whom we go forth, through whom we live, and towards from whom our whole life is directed. <clears throat> Perfect. When the work which the Father gave the Son to do on earth, John chapter 17, verse 4, was accomplished. The Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost in order that he might continue sanctify the church and that can, consequently those who believe might have access through Christ in one spirit to the Father. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. He is the spirit of life, the fountain of water springing up to eternal life. John chapter 4, verse 47, 
chapter 7, verse 38 to 39. To men dead in sin, the Father gave gives life through him until the day when the when in Christ he raises to life the mortal bodies. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 to 11. The Spirit dwells in the church and the heart of the faithful as in a temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 6, verse 19. In them he prays and bears witness to their adoptive sonship. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 16 and 26, guiding the church in the way of all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13, and unifying her in communion in the works of ministry, he bestows upon her varied hierarchical and charismatic gifts, and in this way directs her, and he adorns her with his fruits. Okay. Okay, this is beautiful. These are the these are the scripture passages. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven to twelve, First Corinthians chapter twelve verse four, Galatians chapter five verse twenty two. By the power of the gospel, he permits the church to keep the freshness of, of youth. Constantly, he renews her and leads her to perfect union with her spouse. For the spirit and the bride both say to Jesus the Lord, Come. Apocalypse, Book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17. So a lot of scripture. And I didn't see any compromise of the gospel here. Hence, the universal church is seen to be a people brought into unity from the unity of the Father, the Son and the Spirit, uh, on the, the Son and the Holy Spirit, excuse me. The mystery of the Holy Church is already brought to light in the way it was founded by the Lord Jesus inaugurated his church by preaching the good news. That is the coming of the kingdom of God promised over the ages in the scriptures. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. This kingdom shone out before men in the word in the word in the works and in the presence of christ the word of the lord is compared to a seed which is sown in the field mark chapter 4 verse 14 those who hear it with faith and are numbered among the, the little flock of christ luke chapter 12 verse 32 have truly received the kingdom then by its own power the seed sprouts and grows into the harvest Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 69. The miracle of Jesus also demonstrates that the kingdom has already come on earth. If I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Luke chapter 11, verse 20. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. But principally, the kingdom is revealed in the person of Christ himself, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Okay. This is remarkable. We're reading it. We're reading a text from Vatican II. A document. Okay, the mystery of the church. My conclusion is I don't think the pastors today are faithful to Vatican II documents.
I don't think they're faithful. I think they're a stumbling block. I think they don't like Vatican II documents. I don't see them at, I don't see there's any problem with this document here. But the problem is, as I've always heard, is the interpretation of the documents, the way they have been interpreted. They're not being faithful. They know the average Catholic, most average Catholics are not like, sitting in the pews. I don't think any of them go home and pick up a catechism. Okay. If you're a Catholic who goes home and picks up your catechism and you read it, your pastor doesn't want to talk to you. The priest doesn't want to have anything to do with you. If you're going home and you're reading Vatican II documents, right? You're studying your faith. They don't want to deal with you. I'm serious. Okay. If you're a priest who actually reads Vatican II documents, I don't think your, your, um, your bishop wants to have anything to do with you. I'm, 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 I'm being very serious. These guys don't want to hear it. They want to have the advantage of giving you little nuggets here and there out of context where, you know, you, they know that they prefer that you're ignorant about it. I think they prefer ignorant people about it. I think these guys are so inadequate. I think most of them are so inadequate. Uh, <laughs> they really are a stumbling block to, to, to Catholicism. I'm going to stop here and we'll get back. All right, so let's continue. All right, so okay, so let's let's backtrack. But principally, the kingdom is revealed in the person of Christ Himself, Son of God, Son of Man, who came to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter ten, verse forty-five. Okay, so all right, when Jesus, having died on the cross. For men rose again from the dead. He was seen to be constituted as Lord, the Christ, and as priest forever. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, 7, chapter 7, verse 17 to 21. And he poured out on his disciples the spirit, the spirit promised by the Father. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Hence, forward the church endowed with the gifts of her founder and faithfully observing his precepts of charity its divine love humility self-denial received the mission of, pro of proclaiming and establishing among all people the kingdom of christ and of god and she is on earth the seed and the beginning of the kingdom. While she slowly grows to maturity, the church longs for the completed kingdom and with all her strength, hopes and desires to be united in glory with her king. This is fantastic. This is really beautiful. It's it's it it doesn't say anything contradictory. It doesn't contradict 
anything to any of the documents or teachings of Vatican I, I think this is perfect. I'm serious. I don't think there's anything here that contradicts anything of the faith. I think it, it, it should stick to the, you know, it sticks right with the gospel. It's in line. It's in line with all the teachings of the church fathers and everything. What's the problem? It's, it's the clergy. It's the Vatican II clergy. They're the problem. The Holy Spirit guarded and protected the faith. All right, this is it. We're reading a Vatican II document in this in, in this podcast. We're going to go through this. We're going to complete this. We're going to go through this. And I think we're going to, we're going to really, really, um, we're going to look at this and we're going to, we're going to see how, how this has been done. And we're going to look at all the problems. All right. In the Old Testament, the revelation of the kingdom this is Article 6. We're now into Article 6 in the mystery of the church. In the Old Testament, the revelation of the kingdom is often made under the forms of symbols. Perfect. Remember what I mentioned last time. In similar fashion, the inner nature of the church is now made known to us in various images. Taken either from the life of the shepherd or from cultivation of the land, from the art of buildings or, fa or from family life and marriages, these images have their preparation in the books of the prophets. The church is accordingly a sheepfold, the sole and necessary gateway to which is Christ. John chapter 10 verse 1 to 10 is also the fl a flock of which God foretold that he would himself be the be the shepherd in I, the book of Isaiah chapter 4 verse 11 uh, Exodus chapter 34 verse 11 and whose sheep although watched over by human shepherds are nevertheless at all times led and brought to pasture by Christ himself the good shepherd the prince of shepherds John chapter 10 verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4, who gives his life for his sheep. John chapter 10 verse 11 to 16, the church is a cultivated field, the tillage of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9, on the land, on, on that land, the ancient olive tree grows whose holy woods Holy roots, I'm sorry. On that land, the ancient olive tree grows, whose holy roots were the prophets and in which the reconciliation of the Jews and Gentiles has been brought about and will be brought about again. Romans chapter 11, verse 13 to 26. That land, like a choice um, vineyard, has been planted by the heavenly cultivator. Matthew chapter 21, verse 33 to 43. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Yet the true vine is Christ who gives life and fruitfulness to the branches. That is to us who through the church remains in Christ without whom we can do nothing. That, that sounds absolute right there. Yet the true vine is Christ who gives life and fruitfulness to the branches that is 
to us who through the church remains in Christ without whom we can do nothing. John chapter 15 verse 1 to 5. Often to the church is called the building of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9. The Lord compared himself to the stone which the builders rejected, but which was made into the cornerstone. Isn't that ironic? We ran into this. That this was the reading, this was the reading passage from the fourth week of Easter, which Bishop Robert Barron seems to have a problem with because he seems to have a difficulty comparing of, of fighting away with the modern world, which he was, seems to be more worried, worried about the modern world than with the gospel. I mean, he didn't entirely reject it, but he wrestled with it a little too much. The document here, all right, from the, from the Council Fathers made it quite clear, Christ is the chief cornerstone. And this is it. All right, so he, <laughs> and then look, he quotes Matthew 21, verse 42, Acts 4, verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, Psalm 117, verse 22. On the foundation, the church is built by the apostles. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, and from the church, from, from it, the church receives um, solidity and unity. This edifice has many names to describe it. The house of God in which his family dwells, the household of God in the spirit, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 uh, to 22, the dwelling place of God among men, Apocalypse chapter 21, verse 3, and especially the holy temple. This temple symbolized in places of worship built out of stone is praised by the fathers and not without reason, is compared in the liturgy to the holy city, the new Jerusalem, as the living stones we have on earth are built into it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It is this holy city that is seen by John as it comes down out of heaven from God when the world is made anew, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Apocalypse chapter 21, verse 1. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced the problem is the clergy. I, I really am. I think many of them don't care what the Vatican II documents say. I mean, look at them. Now they're all angry about the fact that the church will not bless same-sex unions. This is not about the Bible. They don't give a rat's ass about the Bible. They don't give a rat's ass about the gospel. They don't give a rat's ass about what Christ thinks. This is about themselves. Like I said, revolutionaries care only about their vices. They don't care about the truth. They care about what they want. And, if, and, and in their minds, like I've said it before, they think because they hold power and position in the church, they can control the mind of God. They, they like they control a computer, or or, or drive a, a bus or something. They don't care. Like they think they're flying a plane. They don't care. They don't care what the church says. They don't care what God thinks. They don't care what the gospel says. They'll they'll they'll, they'll reinvent and make up their own Jesus. But still, what I believe is this is a temporary eclipse. 
And I truly believe the only thing is what will be after the eclipse passes, what's going to be on the other side. The, the, the main thing is we, we seriously need, we need better pastors. The answer is better pastors. And we as lay people need to pray and to seriously, seriously, um, I honestly believe this. They need our prayers. They do need our prayers. Fulton Sheen said that it would be the lay people that will save the church. And I do believe that. Okay, so let's continue this and we'll stop at some point. Um, and we'll continue it next time. The church further, which is called that Jerusalem, which is above, and our mother... Galatians chapter 4, verse 26, Apocalypse chapter 12, verse 17, is described as the apostle spouse of the spotless lamb. Apocalypse chapter 19, verse 7, 21, verse 2, and, and, and verse 9, and 22, verse 17, it is she whom Christ loved and for whom he delivered himself that he might sanctify her. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. It is she whom he unites to himself by an unbreakable alliance and whom he constantly nourishes and cherishes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. It is she whom once purified, he will to be joined to himself. Subject in love and fidelity, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, and whom finally he filled with the heavenly gifts for all eternity in order that we may know the love of God and of Christ for us, a love which, is, which surpasses all understanding. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, while on earth she journeys in a foreign land away from the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 the church sees herself as 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 an exile that this is good an exile she seeks and is concerned about those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God where the life of the church is hidden with Christ in God until she appears in glory with her spouse Corinthians um I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. There's a lot of scripture here. I'm, I'm not going to look up all these, but you're going to have to look them up yourself. I would say go to the Kindle bookstore. All right, if you have a Kindle, um, you can buy them. You can buy this uh, Vatican II. Get the one that's without uh, inclusive language. Look carefully. There's two different versions. One with inclusive language, which I don't think you should get, and one with, with, with um, which is not included, which is the tradition. doesn't say anything about language. But check it out first. Read the sample. Get the sample first before you buy the book. Uh, at least Amazon does that for you. That's good. Uh, get the sample version and check it out. Make sure it's without inclusive language. All right. Uh, I'll go to the beginning of the book just to tell you which one. In the human nature united to himself, the son of God, by overcoming death through his own death and resurrection, redeemed man and changed him into a new creation. I like this. 
this is this this document is is worth it. I mean, once you start reading it, you don't want to stop because it really shows you what the church fathers in Vatican II did. They really tried. They did everything they could to hold the line to keep to keep things exactly as it is. But I think what happened was it just got hijacked. It got hijacked by a bunch of lunatics. All right. And ever since then, we've been in a nightmare. We've been in a, in a, in a carnival. I mean, you know, with liturgical dances and, uh, and bad interpretations with the McCarrick scandal, it got hijacked. All right. Um, one more, I'll go back to article seven. In the human in in the human nature united to himself, the Son of God, by overcoming death through his own death and resurrection, redeemed man and changed him into a new creation. Galatians chapter six, verse fifteen, second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. For by communicating his spirit, Christ mystically constitutes as his body those brothers of his who are called together from every nation. In that body, the life of Christ is communicated to those who believe, who through the sacraments are united in a hidden and real way to Christ in his passion and glorification. Through baptism, we are formed in the likeness of Christ. Okay, this is important because we know how sometimes a lot of these things don't get communicated. I want to read this one more time carefully. I'm going to go back a little bit. In that body, the life of Christ is communicated to those who believe and who through the sacraments are united in a hidden and real way to Christ in his passion and glorification. Through baptism, we are formed in the likeness of Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. In this sacred rite, Fellowship in Christ's death and resurrection is symbolized and is brought about for we were buried with him by means of baptism into death. And if we have been united with him in likeness of his death, we shall be so in the likeness of his resurrection. Also, Romans chapter six, verse four to five, Re really sharing in the body of the Lord in the breaking of the Eucharistic bread, we are taken up into communion with him and with one another because the bread is one. We, though many, are one body, all of us who partake of the one bread, which is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. In this way, all of us are made members of his body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. But severely members of one of one of another Romans chapter 12 verse 4 as all members of the human body though they are many uh, from one body so also are the faithful in Christ first Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 also in the building of Christ's body there is engage a diversity of members and function there is only one spirit who according to his own richness and needs of the ministries gives his different gifts for the welfare of the church. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse one to 11 among these gifts, the, 
the primacy belongs to the grace of the apostles whose authority the spirit himself subjects even those who are endowed with chrisms first corinthians chapter um sorry first corinthians chapter 14 give the body unity through himself by by his own power and by the interior union of the members this same spirit produces and stimulates love among the faithful from this it uh, it follows that if one member suffers anything all the members suffer with him and if one member is honored all the members together rejoice first corinthians chapter 12 verse 26 okay i'm going to stop here i'm going to mark it this is not a bad document. This is a perfect document. It's perfectly fine. I don't see what the problem is. Why these guys have difficulty um, reading the document and interpreting it correctly. They never read everything completely. They never do. They never read it a whole thing. They always take a little bit of portions here and there. And they know most people are not going to go read it. And I think the problem is it's them how they're formed. I think the documents are one thing. How they're trained is another thing. How they want to interpret it is another thing. How they want to implement it is another thing. How they want to put it to practice is a totally different matter. And I don't think they're, I don't think they're faithful. I think they're stumbling blocks, these guys. I really do. I really do. Um, Father... Gord, uh, Gord, uh, Gorning, uh, he's a Canadian young guy. He's fantastic. He, he, he doesn't have a problem with the documents. My problem is it's always, they always seem to have, it always seems to be a problem interpreting, interpreting the documents. They don't want to read it the way it's written. They don't want to practice the way it's written. They want to twist it. They want to have the ability. The, and they often said it. Some of them have said it, and I don't know which, which documents are, that they were, in, they were written ambiguously so that we could interpret them ambiguously. I don't know where that is. Maybe it's true. I'm, I'm, sure, it, I'm sure it is true because obviously if it's said, because you could do that with a document. You can do that with the Bible. You can do that with anything. You can do that with the church fathers. You could even do that with it's being done with the Constitution constantly all the time. The law is sometimes written ambiguously, obviously, because nobody wants to be pinned, you know, in the Constitution laws and everything. But this is something that we have to, you know, we have to get through. We have to read the documents. I think from now on, I am going to go right after the documents. I'm going to really study them. And I'm going to make sure whenever Bishop Barron or any of these guys quote from some document, well, you know what? I'm going to go right to that document. And I'm going to and, and I'm going to throw it back in their face because I'm tired of this constant argument. I'm tired of their of their weak, uh, watered down interpretation. They have a problem with the fullness of the faith. I mean, I know Bishop Barron is not a bad person. I think the problem was is how he was formed. And I think his problem was is the company he keeps. He's a bishop. They, he, they, don't, they don't want him to get out of line. They don't want him to go his own direction. After all, 
he was to, he, he was supposed to be the next Fulton Sheen. Well, that ain't that ain't going to happen. All right. It is. It's not going to happen at all because it's never going to happen. He's not Fulton Sheen. All right. He could he could follow in the traditions of Fulton Sheen. He could pick up some of Fulton Sheen's uh, uh, practices. All right. He could you know he could learn a little from Fulton Sheen, but he's never going to be Fulton Sheen. And I don't think they want him to be Fulton Sheen, to be honest with you. I think they just want the image of Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen, they don't even want him to be a uh, a saint. They're trying to stop him from being canonized as a saint. So they don't want another Fulton Sheen. They, they, they tried to get rid of Fulton Sheen. They sent him to Rochester, New York. They tried to exile him. They wanted him to be forgotten, but they couldn't. All right, let's end it here and we'll get back again soon. All right, say a quick prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.